Well, good morning, church. Isn't it great to be here today? Praise the Lord. A lot going on. It's Thanksgiving weekend. People are with families and traveling and doing what they do. But we are thankful that you are here. You're with us. Please continue to be in prayer for those that can't be with us, that are sick through the holidays, and for those that have been battling with loved ones and and family and friends. And uh, we know what it's like. But we are so grateful that you are here today. And we are here to worship the Lord. Amen. Let's all rise to our feet. We always kick off every service throughout December. It's one of our songs that says, come on, ring those bells, because we celebrate Christmas. And so we're thankful that we can just kind of open up the door and just celebrate Christ this Christmas. Amen? Let's worship together. And if you don't know the song, that's all right. By the end of the season, you will. Everybody likes to take a holiday. Everybody likes to take a rest. Spending time together with the family, sharing lots of love and happiness. Come on, ring those bells like the Christmas tree. Jesus is the King, born for you and me. Come on, ring those bells, everybody say. Jesus, we remember it's your birthday. Oh, celebrations come because of something good. Celebrations we like to recall. Mary had a baby boy in Bethlehem. The greatest celebration of them all. Come on, ring those bells like the Christmas tree. Jesus is the King, born for you and me. Come on, ring those bells, everybody say, Jesus, we remember this your birthday. Come on, ring those bells, like the Christmas tree, Jesus is the King, born for you and me. Come on, ring those bells, everybody say, Jesus, we remember this your birthday. Come on, ring those bells like the Christmas tree. Jesus is the King, born for you and me. Come on, ring those bells, everybody say. Jesus, we remember it's your birthday. Come on, ring those bells like the Christmas tree. Jesus is the King, born for you and me. Come on, ring those bells, everybody say, Jesus, we remember it's your birthday. Come on, ring those bells like the Christmas tree, Jesus is the King, born for you and me. Come on, ring those bells, everybody say, Jesus, we remember it's your birthday. Hallelujah. Let's just praise the Lord. Aren't you thankful that this Christmas season we have something to praise God about? You know, we, we are in a time where it just seems like there's such oppression. And, and just so much anxiety. We heard Pastor Luke speak about that last week, and there is so much of that going on. But church, we can never forget the sacrifice 
that Jesus paid for each and every one of us to give us life and to give it abundantly. Yesterday, as we were decorating and putting things together, we had, uh, we were putting together the nativity scene and came out of the back room and it kind of just makes me think some sort of way that, you know, when we look at, when we think of the nativity and look at the nativity, in the scriptures it says that he was the king of the Jews and that God came down in the form of man to die on a cross to give us life. And to give it to us abundantly. And so we couldn't figure out a way to put the crown of thorns up here. But as we were doing that, I, I just made me stop and just reflect and think, man, how amazing is it that we had a child that was born to die? Think about this, church. He came late in a manger to die as a king for us. What would it be like for you to look at your loved one and say, what will you sacrifice for the kingdom? What will you sacrifice for the cause of Christ? What is it you will do? How far will you go for the newborn king? And so I hope that this Christmas season that we can all just maybe set aside and and learn the principles that were taught last week as we've been going through emotions in these series. To know that we don't have to live with anxiety. The Bible says don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow shall worry about itself. But we can put our faith, trust in a living, holy, powerful God. So I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for being with us. So let's honor him by opening up our services with a word of prayer. Father, we come before you today and we are so grateful that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. For it was prophesied that there will be a king, a redeemer, the Messiah will come. And he will be born to a virgin. And God, we get to kick off this Christmas season. And even though the enemy wants to distract us from really the the sole purpose of your birthday, the sole purpose of the sacrifice that was made and why you came. But God, we remember, we will never forget. And so God, we celebrate your birth. We celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the hope, the life, and the love that is demonstrated through the season of Christmas. So God, we love you. Thank you for being here with us. And so Father, we ask that your spirit would come into this place that your love would come in, that we would feel your presence here. So you are welcomed in this sanctuary, in this house of worship, and in this house of prayer. And Lord, we worship you, and we praise you. Lord, we love you. And all God's people said, amen. Remain standing as we sing, Ocean.
You ever feel like sometimes you just wish that would never end? You could just keep singing that song over and over, right? Take me deeper than I've ever been. Put me through a journey. Put me on water. When I start to sink, let my eyes look towards you. Put my faith in you. We're glad that you're with us, Pastor Lee. Well, good morning. We just have a few quick announcements. One, we want to say welcome to church. Thank you for joining us here. Or if you are watching online, thank you.
Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, next week is our ugly sweater Sunday, our Christmas sweater Sunday. We'll just blame Roger. It's okay, Dolores. It looks we'll just, good, though. We'll just blame Roger. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! They're ahead of the game. They're ready. So, yeah, it's our ugly sweater, Christmas sweater, shirt, jacket, tie, whatever, just for us to get in the mood for the season and just to celebrate. We will have our mobility class this coming Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And then we will be having our... Uh, Love Encounter this Friday. We will be changing things up a little bit. We will be meeting in here instead of the fellowship hall, and we will not be serving appetizers. We still will take a break, like a coffee break, a drink break, but we will not be serving appetizers that night. Um, Other than that, for this week, the next two weeks, that's all that we have. Make sure you pick up a calendar of events for December. It does have the events that are going on. As of right now, we still are planning on having our New Year's Eve party at the end of the month. So just pay attention here in church and to our announcements on Facebook on whether or not that will proceed as planned. But thank you for being here. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Luke. Uh, If this is your first time here at New Hope, we want to say welcome. We're glad that you're here. So thank you for being with us. And it is a blessing to have uh, family and friends with us. I love Thanksgiving. I know that some people go away and some people come back. But let me just tell you this. There are a lot of people on the road. You know how I know that? Because I just journeyed back from Florida. And I watched five different accidents, 50 miles worth of stopped, backed up traffic. There were so many people on the road, it was unbelievable. And we arrived back here Sunday evening. We pulled in, I think, about 6.30 last weekend. And I couldn't believe how many people were out. So I do know that that I think we're all getting a little bit antsy. And we, we want to be with family, want to be with friends. We need that interaction. God created us to be with one another. But I know that there is something happening. People are traveling. And so I know that we have some that are gone. But with that being said, I also know that in a lot of the workplaces, um, the COVID has increased. So we have people that are sheltered in place for 14 days. So we're seeing a different type of dynamic here this holiday season. And so, you know, as your pastor, and I spoke with the deacons and trustees and the board as I was in Florida, we're just doing the best we can to ensure that you feel safe and that you feel like you can still come to church and worship. It's not good if we have to shut down the church, amen? I need to come to church. And Jesus said, where two or more gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. So we love being here. You know, and and even though I took a sabbatical, and I always say that you're not supposed to focus, you still focus on life, you focus on work, you focus on the church, I can't help myself. So as I was pacing out there, Lord, help me what to do. He said, eh, keep it open. I said, okay, thanks for the answer. And, uh, you know, so for me, I I love coming to church. I need you guys in my life. I truly do. I need I need that love, that affection and just that uh, just the connection with people. It's so important. So I am grateful that you are here. And for those that are dealing with uh, COVID, we haven't had uh, anybody that's received. We got 20 families that are gone in here that has not happened at New Hope. Praise the Lord. Let's continue to keep it that way. I just want all of you to know that um, your pastor has a janitorial custodial company. I know that comes as a surprise for some of you, 
but we also treat um, many companies, in this past week we're busy treating companies for the coronavirus if they've had a staff or whatever. I want you to know that we are uh, we're going forth with the same type of protocols in those companies here at this church. So last night, we even set off a bomb in this room, and what it is, it's a disinfectant bomb. And what it does is it covers 6,000 square feet, and so it covers all of the, the chairs anywhere anybody touches, and then it travels. And so if there's any spores or anything of any kind of germs, you're now the most sanitized church. You guys are holy, pure, and clean. How does that make you feel? I'll be putting off. If you don't feel that way, I'll stick one here, and we'll let it off, and then we just jump through it, right? I'm just teasing. And that uh, I just want everybody to know that we do our part as a church to make sure that all the door handles and everything are sanitized and disinfected. Even today, I came up here with sanita- sanitation uh, cloths, uh, disinfected wipes, and wiped down all of the mics and everything. And I know Pastor Luke does it as well. So I'm picky about cleanliness because cleanliness is next to. Who taught you that anyhow? I need to see that principle in the Bible. But anyhow, let's all rise to our feet as we sing two more songs before the message today. He is worthy of our praise. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Let's worship him. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for this love. 
Praise the Lord. Woo. I love that song. Crown it with many crowns, the Lamb upon the throne. Hark how the heavenly an- angels and the anthem sounds. All of the music was his own. It was all about him. All about the babe that was wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Can you imagine how powerful That time was when Jesus, the Messiah, came into this world. Wow, I love Christmas time. You know, I was speaking with my wife and I said, one of the the most difficult times of the year for a minister is Christmas. Because we realize that we hear the oracles of Christmas. We understand that Christ is the reason for Christmas. And yet we take the the scriptures and you know those same verses and you hear those same verses. And every year we bring it back. I don't want it to just be like a clanging cymbal or just a noise. I want you to just stop and say, Lord, help me to never take this season what your word has to say for granted. But let the words from the Bible Speak into my heart and into my mind, into my life, into my emotions, so that I can grow deeper in love with you. That's what Christmas is about, because if it wasn't for Christmas, we would not have hope, church. We wouldn't be here right now saying as worthy is the Lamb. So he is exalted, and he is to be praised. So we sing this song called We Exalt Thee, because it is our time of prayer and of worship to exalt the name of Jesus, the newborn King. Oh! 
Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would please take them with me as we say our Bible decree this morning. We're thankful that we have the Word of God. They can take a lot of things away, but we've got the Word. And if we hide it in our hearts, it has to take out our hearts. That's a thought, isn't it? Mm, didn't mean it like that, but you know, that's the whole reason for, for the message. And throughout times, it's been, it's 
it's been difficult for people to have the Word of God in their hands. So let's raise your Bible nice and high. And it says this, This is my Bible, God's holy Word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. If you have your Bible, if you would please turn to Matthew chapter 1. That's Matthew chapter 1 as we continue this series on emotions. As we continue this series on emotions, and I know that Pastor Luke um, brought to light some really great truth as we were kicking off this series that we don't follow a book, but we just put together and we allow to uh, remember all those things. But kids, you are dismissed to head back to Children's Chapel. Kids are dismissed. How many of you love history? You know, if you love history, and it's so interesting to me to see how history always plays itself out. And I always like to know what my ancestors were like, who they were, what was it, you know, it was such an important time. And, you know, does it seem to, to many of us that, that our ancestry, we think that it goes back, you know, thousands and thousands of years, yet in reality, we only go back just a few generations because there's no record of that at all. And yet, it's interesting to, to know that you can go to, uh, to any place, and I know that in Pikeville, Kentucky, uh, there are a lot of packets. So if you want to go to the family reunion in Pikeville, Kentucky every July, you get to understand the history of our family. So we have, we, you know, it comes from Ireland, from Scotland, so we got Scot Scottish and Irish and Indian. And my mamaw, she looked just like an Indian woman, actually practiced a lot of things that uh, Indians practiced. So there was, she had a lot of the spiritual wheels and stuff outside. Matter of fact, she scared the living tar out of me. And uh, I don't know, I mean, if you've never been to the hauler of Kentucky or West Virginia or anything, then you, you feel like you step back 40, 50 years. And that's what it was like for me, even in the 70s. And, uh, and so she would sit there. She had her big stick, and she had that wrinkled face. And, you know, you could just see the Indian that was in her. My wife comes from Indian descent as well. Her maiden name is Eagle, if that tells you anything. So it was interesting for us to understand our background and our history. My other side of the family my grandpa Parton and grandma, I mean, he was from Corbin, Kentucky. Grandma was from here, so we came from the, the Akron-Ravenna area as well as that side of Kentucky. So part of my ancestry is from the east and from the west. And each one of you have a, a story and history along with your family tree. But I want to, to just highlight, and I don't want to make this boring, but I think it's interesting as we look at the life of Jesus Christ. And we see just where he came from. And every time I read the genealogy of Jesus Christ, I actually am, sometimes I just sit and I'm impressed. Not that I can pronunciate all these words correctly or all of their names, but I was trying to think as we have uh, a little granddaughter that will be coming in the spring. Uh, so I'm excited about that. But I was going down through some of these names and I thought, oh, we could name her all kinds of interesting names even though they already have names picked out, right? But here's what I thought was so interesting about this is that 
as I was looking at the history, many of us look at Jesus Christ as we look at a man who was pure and holy. But he came in the form, God came in the form of man. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. He sent his son here. But what I find so interesting every time I read the genealogy of Jesus Christ, I read all of the people that had problems and flaws and sin and problems in their life. Were there a lot of hurting? Was there a lot of pain on that journey? But yet his his great-grandfather and his great-grandmother, who would ever thought that Jesus' great-great-great-grandmother was Bathsheba? And yet, when we look at this, we, we stop, and I want you to look at some of these names, and you will be amazed if you never have before. And you may not know who some of these people are any more than I do, but you will recognize some of these names. So let's just read together. Matthew chapter 1, and I'll be reading in the NLT so that it doesn't have the begats and all that kind of stuff in there, but listen closely. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah. Interesting, isn't it? Right off of the bat, verse 1, they go right into saying, it's a grand introduction of the Messiah, the one who will come and save his people from their sins. A descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Interesting. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Another interesting part there. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother... David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jeroam. Jero. See, I told you, sooner or later it'll come to me. Uh, Jerom was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amon. Amon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of uh, Jehoiachin and his brothers, born at the time of the exile to Babylon. In verse 12, after the Babylonian exile, Jehoiachin was the father of Sheheltel, Sheltel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abuad. Abuad was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok, what a good guy. I don't know, I'm just kidding. Was the father of Achim. Achim was the father of Iliad. Iliad was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathon. Uh, Mathon was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the what? 
to the Messiah. Thank you. This is my wife and my daughter. For those that do not know you, it means they were cheering me on. Good job, Dad. Good job, honey, right? And uh, interesting, isn't it? Now, what I'm going to do through this narrative today, we're going to make this personal. And so this morning, as we, we look into the, into the Word, we're going to talk about the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. But I would like to ask all of the men that are in this room, could you please stand to your feet? All of the room, men that are in this room, please stand to your feet. So let's be honest, men. Being a man takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? It doesn't require much to be male, but it does require a lot to be a man. A God kind of man. Takes much, much courage. As those seated look around, I hope that you can see and are seeing a collection of courageous men. Not just cool-looking, swag-looking, great-looking men. I hope that you can look around and say, these men are courageous, and I honor them in my life. That being said, I'm just going to take just a moment. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and I want you to listen closely to what this video has to say about being a courageous man of God. As today I'll be speaking to you about Christmas courage. And what it takes to be what Joseph was and is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these men. I thank you that throughout this season of Advent, that we'll be able to highlight uh, the life of man, woman, family, children. So God, as you bring forth these messages, help them to lay not just soft on our hearts and on our minds, but help us to resonate and to learn the principles that are lined out just here in Matthew chapter 1. So, Father, God, we ask that you will bless these men of God. I pray that you'll bless them in a way that they will take a stand and make a change in their life to be better. So as we get through this season of, of Advent, God, we ask that you'll help them to be more courageous, more godly, men of integrity, men of vision, men filled with the Spirit. We ask for your blessings today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We are inviting any man whose heart is willing and courageous to join us in this resolution. In my home, the decision has already been made. You don't have to ask who will guide my family. Because by God's grace, I will. I do solemnly resolve before God to take full responsibility for myself, my wife, and my children. I will love them, protect them, serve them, and teach them the Word of God. As the spiritual leader of my home, I will be faithful to my wife, to love and honor her, and be willing to lay down my life for her, as Jesus Christ did for me. I will bless my children and teach them to love God with all their hearts, all their minds, and with all of their strength. I will train them to honor authority and live responsibly. I will confront evil, pursue justice, and love mercy. I will pray for others and treat them with kindness, respect, and compassion. I will work diligently to provide for the needs of my family. I will forgive those who have wronged me and reconcile with those I have wronged. I will learn from my mistakes 
repent of my sins and walk with integrity as a man answerable to God. I will seek to honor God, be faithful to his church, obey his word, and do his will. I will courageously work with the strength God provides. To fulfill this resolution. To fulfill this resolution. To fulfill this resolution. To fulfill this resolution for the rest of my life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I am courageous. I am courageous. I am courageous. I am courageous. morning I can you turn me down just a little bit I have a ring in in the nose I don't know if you can hear it but it could be coming through the monitors I don't know but however you want to work that pastor would thank you when I when I look and I hear these men can you hear me Sam okay Uh, and, and when I when I see the narrative played out about being men of God men of courage to be courageous men of God if you are here today and that is something that you've been struggling with, I hope that by the end of, your, end of the service that you will say, I had to look at myself in the mirror. I had to really do a little bit of checkmate and find out who I am. And even though, ladies, we're going to be highlighting the life of Joseph, I hope that you can say that you've been courageous in your position as a wife, as a mother, as a girlfriend, as an individual So as we learn these principles, I pray that you will also adapt these same principles. And men in this room, I don't often just call you out or say this message is for you today, but this message will be a directive right to you. And if you are single, I want the world to see that you are a man of God, that you are courageous. And those people that are in your inner circle or outside of your circle, They will be able to see what kind of person you truly are. You know, when I look back and I consider 9-11, and I consider way back in year 2001, lots of males were were there, uh, but only courageous men went into the towers that were burning. We know that 9-11 was a scary time as we all watched it from a distance. But we knew that there were men of integrity, men that sold out their lives and women that sold out their lives to save other people also want you to consider the tsunami of 2004. Lots of vacationing males ran away from the water, but the courageous men, what did they do? They went towards the water to find the innocent and helpless people. They were there to help them. And consider Joseph of the first Christmas. Now think about this. He was definitely more than male. His entire experience with Mary took courage. After all, it was filled with hard decisions, decisions that required lots of internal fortitude, deep down guts in his life. And we'll see this as we open up the word. In a word, courage. That's the stuff men, not males, are made of. And that's the footprint Joseph wants to leave for us during this season of Christmas. And I believe that this comes at a time, more importantly than any other time, For men of God to rise up, to stand up, to pray, to lead, to be an example to your family more than you ever have before. So Joseph, as we start to see this open up, and if you're still with me in Matthew chapter 1, 
I will show you, for instance, here's the footprint of courage in a man's life called Joseph. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, it says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. It says that it took courage to resist the plunge towards public vindictiveness. He knew what was before him. And he thought, what do I need to do if I break off this engagement? I'm betrothed, or as the King James Version says, I'm bound with her. I was planning on marrying her. For instance, it took courage to listen to the voice of God and not the wisdom or the pseudo-wisdom of society of man. We could see here in verse 20. Here's what it reads. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Think about that. The child was conceived and then it continues to say in verse 21, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. In verse 23, it says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call his name what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Awesome, isn't it? I mean, mate, I want all of us just to put everything on pause and think about that this season of Advent, this season of Christmas, as we reflect, that we are thinking about God being with us. Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the newborn king. We realize that he takes on the name of Christ. That is when crucifixion takes place. And we won't get into that today. But I wanted to let you know that in spite of all of it, Joseph was a man who said, I'm not going to let outside influences, outside wisdom change who I am. I'm going to follow what I hear. Awesome thought, isn't it? And then there in verse 25, it says, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. It took courage to remain true to Mary in the face of societal pressure, social pressure, or disdain. It took courage to abstain from sex until after the birth of Jesus. Amazing, isn't it? We understand and the scripture tells us that men were created to what? Procreate. So yet here he was, and he was, he was battling all of these emotions. He was battling all of these problems. He was battling all of the oppression because everybody on the outside world said, whoa, wait, what's going on here with this woman, Mary? What's taking place? What's happening? But where does courage come from? What things come together to produce courage? This morning I want to talk to you through this passage in Matthew and provide some insight about Joseph's life and about courage and how to secure courage in your life. Now listen, I don't want you to be bored. And then if you don't have a pen, grab a pen. If you, and I'm going to have you take a couple notes, maybe draw it in your Bible. I'm going to be asking you to write down three different circles that may be something you can be challenged by and remember this morning. Number one. How can we practice personal integrity regardless of public pressure? 
Number one, practice personal integrity regardless of public pressure. See, right there it says in verse 18 that Joseph was a righteous man. In verse 19, he was engaged to be married. Joseph was a righteous man. This indicates something about what was already going on in Joseph's life. It tells us what Joseph was already doing. He was doing what? He was doing what was right. Yes, this means he had a heart of belief and was positionally righteous. And God saw that. But it also means he was involved in practical righteousness. He tried to do the right thing. In fact, this is the root of the word righteous. Right? Right? Okay. I thought I'd just throw that in there. Okay. It simply means Joseph did things right, even when they were hard. Yes, and Joseph had some personal zeal for righteousness. That was rooted in a passion for God and a thirst for the right thing. In church, when we start realizing this, you begin to see that courage is something forged within a person, not forced upon them. Can you say that again, Pastor? Certainly. You can, be, you can begin to see that courage is something forged within a person, not forced upon them. Hubby, dad, brother, friend, mother, wife. So many times we want to force something on them. But integrity comes from within. And when you realize that courage comes from within, you realize that this becomes your guiding principle for life. Your star. Then it doesn't matter how difficult or easy the task is. Only one question matters. What is the right thing to do? What is the right thing to do? You know, over the years in the ministry, and take a little advertisement here. It hasn't been popular vote, but I felt as a pastor I had to do what the right thing was to do. I've made mistakes, but I believed in the sense of courage, being a man of integrity, I had to do what I needed to do. So I don't believe that I'm sitting here telling you that in all ways that uh, things are always going to be easy. You're going to find out that when the question arises in your life, what are the right things to do? The question then will be asked, well, how is courage forged for the difficult times? What do I do through, how do I do the right thing over and over in not so difficult times? When you do what's right every day in the little things, you discover that doing the right thing regarding large matters is normal operating procedure. discover that doing the right thing regarding large matters is normal operating procedure even in small things. We often call this integrity. Now, I know it's not Father's Day, but when I look at the life of Joseph, I want you to put yourself in this. This is, this is a, a message to say, okay, for the first time, it's not just a message to somebody else. This is a message to me. 
And as I was putting this together and I was thinking of how can I make this applicable to each and every one of you, my first thought was how can I make this applicable to me? How does this apply to me as the pastor, as a husband, as a business owner, as a father, as, as a pastor? In what way does integrity play out? How does principled living play out? It plays out through our ethics, through our character. This is what enables you to make the hard decisions. Because you have settled some things personally, you are able to make tough decisions in the face of pressure. And inwardly, you have wrestled with the angels. We've come to grips with what God is asking you and so on. So when the need of courage arises, you're ready. So while courage is revealed in our difficult opportunities, it is produced through integrity in everyday occurrences. How many of you have seen the movie Cinderella Man? Many of us have seen the movie Cinderella Man. We meet a man much like Joseph. He's a boxer who's lost everything and his family is starving. But here's what happens. His son steals a loaf of bread to help his starving family. But here's what the father does. The father rebukes his son and makes him apologize to the storekeeper from whom he stole it. And the God-fearing father may not have been able to fill his children's stomachs, but he nurtured their spirits through his integrity. Interesting, isn't it? If we are men of integrity, if we are men of courage, then we will, pay, we will teach right in the midst of what is wrong. So church, let me be literal. Let me spell it out for you. There's some, place, some of the places where we need to practice personal integrity every day of our lives. Where can we practice personal integrity? Oh, here he goes. With our kids. Our kids demand integrity. Do you keep your words to your children? Listen, when they talk and model the kind of lifestyle you want them to live. Do they hear you? Are you listening to them? Are you a great role model for their life? Number two, how about this? Work. Work demands integrity. Are you on time even when no one else will be there that day? Do you fulfill your agreements? Are you supportive and loyal to your boss in your words? And not only in your words, but also in your actions. Are you honest in your reports and fair in your responses? So family, family demands integrity. Is there duplicity in your lifestyle? Does your family see one thing on Sunday and another one on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Do they always see you making excuses when it is convenient for you? Are you honest in your answers about where you've been, what you've spent, and who you are now? How about this? Our finances. Our finances demand integrity. How often do some say, I'm broke? I hear that a lot. <laughs> I'm broke. Then go out to eat four nights a week or buy excessive luxuries for their home. Are you being truthful to yourself and each other about your spending habits? Are you being honest about your taxes? What if you get too much change back? Do you give back the excess or the correct change? 
And then last, society demands integrity. Our society demands integrity. Did we vote for those biblical values? Do we speak up for what is right even when the culture says we're not politically correct? Praise God at this time of the year. Be aware, though, the moral purity and integrity is smeared at in our society. They don't want you to have moral integrity. It's okay to burn down buildings. There's people out there promoting that. Y'all looking at me like I just made something up. What has happened to moral purity and integrity? I didn't see this movie, and I'm just going to say this to all of you right now. But how many have seen, and you don't have to answer this, I'm just joking, The 40-Year-Old Virgin? We know that was out. They made fun of the idea that a man could live to such an age to be sexually pure. They made fun of this man who could live to such an age to be sexually pure. But I've spoke to my daughters and I taught my daughters to be pure is to be godly. So we're instilling moral purity within our children. We're teaching them the importance of what moral purity is about. Have you taken the time to teach your children those things? Have you taken the time to make that oath? Have you taken the time when it says resist what is wrong? Resist evil. Many of us now have to look at our life. And many people have gone to jail over account errors, account fraud, inside trading. Because people just do not have the business ethics that they once had. And here's the point, men. Here's the point, women. Do the right thing every day in every situation. And as you do, courage will not will start to develop. Little by little, your integrity will forge courage within you. To illustrate this, I want you to do this. You can either write it down, but I want you to draw a circle. And right inside that circle, this will be circle number one, integrity. Put it in the middle. With that done, notice another component of courage found in our text here today. Pursue God's vision, point number two. I'll have three points this morning. Pursue God's vision, not man's wisdom. Pursue God's vision, not man's wisdom. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in verse 20 of Matthew 1 in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He continued, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In this passage, Joseph was instructed by God via a dream. He had a clear vision from the Lord of what he has to do. And this vision, this dream, guided him and brought him clarity, brought him conviction, and brought him courage. Even when it wasn't society, and it wasn't what society thought that he should have or what he should do. But because he had a clear understanding of what God wanted, the Lord's vision for his life, the opinions of those not in the loop didn't affect him at all. Now, there are people who debate validity of dreams, and I'm not going to get into that today. 
and it's not my purpose to engage in that debate. But it is my intent to show that Joseph put God's call above all other voices, all other influences, and all other people. He was in tune with what God had to say to him. He was in touch with God's vision for him. So what do I draw from this simple application, this simple question? Ask yourself this question. I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to have you ask yourself. You can say it quietly. Whose vision and voice are you tuned into? Whose vision and voice am I tuned into? You see, God has a very clear vision for your life, a call to disobedience that he wants you here to see and grasp. And are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you being driven by the Holy Spirit, reading the word and seeking the Lord for what he wants in your life? Understand something, men. There is an all-out attack on spiritual vision today. Our culture and our society will do all it can to make sure you don't hear from God. And why? Why is that? Because God's vision will more often than not conflict with man's wisdom. The television, the radio, ads, Facebook, social media, your iPhone, your Samsung, whatever you guys have, it's all loud noises designed to distract you from what matters most. And if you let it, the voices will get your attention and not the voice of God. And here's the reason why. We are programmed to be focused on non-essentials. You hear that? We are programmed to be focused on non-essentials. The present trivial issues that make up our physical life. God's vision keeps you centered on the things that matter most, eternal issues regarding our spiritual life. And when you listen to the Holy Spirit and we allow the Holy Spirit to bring perspective in our life, then our focus starts to change. Growing up as a young man, I knew the importance of listening to the Holy Spirit. No, I don't read minds and no, I'm not psychic, but I know the importance of listening to the Holy Spirit. And there are often times that I know that you're going to move and come to the altar. There are times when I know that the Holy Spirit speaks to me, that I know that you're going to move. There are times when the Holy Spirit nudges me and tells me to do right in the midst of me thinking about doing wrong. That's where integrity starts to play out. That's where courage starts to kick in. We have to be careful not to allow man's wisdom to blur God's spiritual wisdom, his guidance, his word, and more importantly, his vision. Our ability to see life from God's point of view begins to diminish when we start thinking that our larger iPad, bigger home, nicer car, more lucrative career is our key to meaningful life. And as I push through this message this morning, if we live a life unchecked, I want you to listen to me. If we live a life unchecked, then everything in our life is going to be skewed and messy. But if we start tuning our life in with God, we start to realize that our mind 
our frequency gets tuned into our kids, to our friends, to our associates, to our family. And there are more and more young men and young, young women. And here's what saddens me. There are more and more young men and young women that are surrendering for the ministry to be missionaries, to be pastors, than ever in the history of the church. Why would they? Because it's so difficult. They don't hear the voice of God. See, God called me when I was 15 years old. I knew God's calling upon my life. I knew the importance of when you're sitting in a pew and God starts to speak, you start to move and react. You guys know the story. The missionary from Papua New Guinea. It was right then that at 15 years of age, I knew I needed to move and I had a calling on my life. I just had to figure out a way to help small churches in large arenas. So we started a cleaning company, been cleaning toilets for 25 years. But the calling is irrevocable. I was with a pastor once, and we were talking, and he was heartbroken, and things happened in his life. His wife left him, and I looked right at him, and I said this to him, stand up. I said, stand up. You have believed the lie of the enemy. You feel like there's no hope for you because of what has happened. But you're going to lose hope. You're going to lose vision when you start to listen to other people's standards, principles for your life. Now, were you called to preach? He's like, yes. I said, wipe your eyes, stand tall, and get to preaching. He looked at me and goes, are you serious? I said, yeah, I'm serious. See, Satan always says this, and how many know this? I've had a lot of pastors that have committed adultery in my life that we were under. You know why? Because they started to allow their flesh instead of their spirit lead them. It's as easy for me as it was for them. I can falter. I can fail. But we have to allow, just like Joseph did, he let the angel of the Lord speak to him, and he trusted by faith and responded by it, and he lived his life by it. Many of my pastors who have committed adultery left the ministry. Their kids left. They lost faith in all of it. Church, you need to pray for your pastor. You need to pray for the pastor's wife. You need to pray for my daughters. You need to pray for my, my son-in-laws. You need to pray for our families. As much as I pray for you, we need your prayers because Satan wants to destroy us. Listen, there's nothing worse than when a pastor comes back from vacation, and if I was about numbers, I would be like, she's gone. She's gone. Where's he at? Where are they at? What just happened over here? And we start focusing more on numbers instead of the soul. Seriously, that's what Satan does to us. But what we have to be is we have to be people of integrity. I have to be a pastor of integrity and know that this message might be for one person. The guy standing behind the white cross right here. More than anybody else, God is always speaking. So if, if you're willing to come in here and, and humble your heart and humble your mind in the sight of God, you too will grow. And I'm going to go through this very, very quickly now. What I want you to do now, we knew the first circle. Uh, we did, and then the next one was integrity. And let's do the third circle, which is vision. Vision.
the last circle will be vision. Embrace sacrificial action instead of superficial anger. Embrace sacrificial action instead of superficial anger. Watch what took place in verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not hear sexual rela- he did not have sexual relationships with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Don't you love verse 24? It simply says he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He obeyed. But what makes this so incredible is that his actions were sacrificial in nature. When the going got tough, Joseph got sacrificial. Do you see that text? Took Mary home as his wife and had no union with her. And that's why we're, I'm expounding on the virgin birth. Joseph is a great example of someone who was very courageous and showed his courage through his sacrificial actions. Therein lies the essence of courage. We exhibit it best when we sacrifice for others. Isn't this the real essence of a hero? Courageous sacrifice. You bet it is. So we're down there. How many of you like to do acts of random kindness? All of us do. We love blessing people, the people behind us, people in front of us, people around us. If you're in the drive-thru, wherever you're at, it's great just to do things anonymously and just bless people. We were down at one of the, the stores and this lady was there. She was, she's a widow and... Um, and I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. The Lord just brought it to my attention this morning. But as I was there, this lady was trying on a dress. My wife had, had tried these dresses on before, and, and it was a great summer dress. And, and she's down there. We didn't know her story. We don't know anything about her but, but this. We know that she kept looking at this dress, but she didn't buy it. She bought one instead of two. And so the Lord said to me, eh, pay for the dress. Well, then you start talking to yourself. I'm like, I'm not paying for another woman's dress. That's weird. What would my wife say if I said, I'm paying for this 78-year-old woman's dress? You take it to the locker room. I said, okay, Lord. So I walked up to the counter, and she was paying for it, and I said, hi, uh, excuse me. I'd like to pay for her dress. And I laid the money down. Go get yourself that other dress. It's a gift from my wife and I. I didn't say me. I didn't say I. I said from my wife and I. It's our gift to you. The woman behind her mask started bawling. And at 78 years of age, I can't tell you how old she was. But at 78 years old, she starts crying. And says this to me. My twin sister Tracy was standing there. Here's what she said. Nobody's ever done that for me before. Well, right then I just thought, how sad is that? That you've never been gifted and received such a kind gift? Right then it hit me. It was never about me. It was always about her. God was trying to teach her a lesson. God was always trying to teach all of us a lesson not to be greed. Greedy, not to be selfish, not to think things have to be my way, but they have to be God's way. And God was probably teaching her, I don't even know, she says, I'm a widow, my husband died last year. So this is really kind. 
Well, her husband probably did things for her. And it's been a very rough and difficult time for her. Many of us get angry because we want to hold on to what is ours. We look at the flesh instead of the spirit. And today I want us to just stop and reflect upon how angry Joseph could have gotten, but he didn't. He walked in the spirit. He did not consummate his marriage. He was not frustrated. He didn't let the world say that's an adulterous woman. He protected the integrity of his wife, and they practiced oneness. And that's where Becky and I get it when we teach people oneness. He stood up for her. And so today, and I'm going to wind this down, and I have so much more to say. I just want to, I'll sum this up. When was the last time that you responded to somebody in selflessness? When we look at the life of Joseph, we notice that many respond in an attitude of anger, in an attitude of rage. But I want to take this home with you this morning. Your courage is not seen in your anger or heard in your volume. Nobody wants to be heard. Instead, courage is seen in how well we handle adversity and we handle change. When there is change, when there is discipline, when there is a spirit of giving, because this is the season of giving, when you are in tune with Christ, then you are in tune with the Spirit, you're in tune with God, and your life then doesn't become about you, it becomes about our safety and things that need to be done. I've been right where you've got, you've been wrong. I've gotten angry and I've gotten mad. And I've looked ignorant, acted ignorant, and there's a payoff. Had to apologize to my wife, to others, because of my unethical behavior. But I want to share this with you. It's, it's a story, it's from Chris Spillman, and I don't know if many of you know who he was, but he was truly a courageously sacrificial man. When Chris Spillman played for the Buffalo Bills, he was everything a middle linebacker should be. He was tough, he was strong, he was smart. He was a man of passion, total commitment, and loyalty to the game. In fact, did you know he played the entire 1995 season with a torn pectoral muscle that he sustained in the season opener. Many of you wouldn't know that because some of you weren't even around then, but I was. But the game took a distant second place in the sinking during the 1998 season. And here's what happened to, you know, the most valuable player. He chose to stay home. Why did he chose to stay home? He stayed home, he cooked, he took care of his kids, and he cared for his wife by choice. Her name was Stephanie. That was Chris's wife. She was struggling through the stark reality of breast cancer. Surgery, chemotherapy, and nausea were Stephanie's opponents. And during her fight, Chris was at her side. His actions supported this family way before his job. When asked by a reporter if he'd consider a return to the 
bills late in the season. Spillman said, I'd play in a heartbeat, but what kind of man would I be if I backed out on my word to her? I would be a man. I wouldn't be a man at all. Football fans saw Spillman as a man because of his aggressive, leave-it-all-on-the-field style of play. But what really made him a man was his personal sacrifice for and to his wife. So as I was reading this story, I decided to look it up, and I thought, what happened with his wife, Stephanie? And unfortunately, cancer got the best of her, and she passed away in 2009. But the man decided to sacrifice all he had, his reputation, his integrity, everything for her. And as I close, men, how are you sacrificing for those around you? How do you respond when life calls upon you to adjust, change, go give a little more, or take an extra mile? How has life changed around you? Are you like Joseph? Even though Joseph wasn't worried about his reputation, his flesh said, yes, worry about your reputation. But more importantly, worry about more about your moral purity. Worry more about your God. And so when the angel of the Lord came to him, he was open, he was receptive because he was a guy who lived right. He was a righteous Godly man. Men, do you hold your tongue, bite your lip, and let the Spirit of God manifest His power through you by sacrificing first? Or do you lose your temper, spew out hurtful words, and storm off the salt? And I'm here to tell you that that is not sacrifice. And it's not courage. It's very immature, and it's very weak. This week, try exhibiting real courage. Not through superficial anger, but through sacrificial action. Understanding the importance of what it's about. And on that circle too, I want you to put sacrifice. And I'll leave you with this. How much have you sacrificed? Encourage is at the highest when these three circles interact. When there's vision, when there's integrity, and when there's sacrifice. The result is a courageous act that every once in a while somebody calls heroic. So this morning, where are you at? What's your life been like? What's your journey been like? Can people look at you and say, you're a man there. Wow. He has a heart just like Joseph. Man, he's a good guy. Let me put it to you ladies. Can people look at you and say, she's a good woman. She's a wife. She's caring and she's loving and, and she treats people right. What is it that people say? Are you so self-centered that you don't hear the voice of God? That you don't see his vision? And that to sacrifice something that's yours is so difficult. But Joseph said, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice my integrity for the integrity of my God. And could you imagine? Well, your, your fiance, hey, she's going to have a baby. And that baby's going to be named Jesus. And he will save all of the people. How many of you would question in your mind and say, what in the world did I just hear? When all along they were waiting for the Messiah, the coming Messiah. The Jewish people were so wrapped up in that. But today, do people see that integrity in your life? I want to leave this with you. 
if you were to take a covenant and your resolution would be, I'm going to resolve to be a godly man. You know the three things that you've got to work on. We went through them today. But what would they be? And I love this. My favorite movie, I love Courageous. If you haven't seen the movie, you need to get it. It's amazing. It's about a man of courage. Phenomenal. Watch this last clip. It's amazing. What a challenge to each and every one of us in this day. But I tell you that as a father, you are accountable to God for the position of influence he has given you. You can't fall asleep at the wheel only to wake up one day and realize that your job or your hobbies have no eternal value, but the souls of your children do. Some men will hear this and agree with it, but have no resolve to live it out. Instead, they will live for themselves and waste the opportunity to leave a godly legacy for the next generation. But there are some men who regardless of the mistakes we've made in the past, regardless of what our fathers did not do for us, will give the strength of our arms and the rest of our days to loving God with all that we are and to teach our children to do the same. And whenever possible, to love and mentor others who have no father in their lives, but who desperately need help and direction. We are inviting any man whose heart is willing and courageous to join us in this resolution. In my home, the decision has already been made. You don't have to ask who will guide my family, because by God's grace, I will. You don't have to ask who will teach my son to follow Christ, because I will. Who will accept the responsibility of providing and protecting my family? I will. Who will ask God to break the chain of destructive patterns in my family's history? I will. Who will pray for and bless my children to boldly pursue whatever God calls them to do? I am their father. I will. I accept this responsibility and it is my privilege to embrace it. I want the favor of God and his blessing on my home. Any good man does. So where are you, men of courage? Where are you, fathers who fear the Lord? It's time to rise up and answer the call that God has given to you. And to say, I will. I will. I will. As we all rise to our feet this morning... If you really want to be God's kind of man, then strive to be a man of courage. It may start today for you by your willingness to address difficult areas, to make hard choices, to submit to God's vision or admit personal failure. Will you join with me in my journey to be more than male? And this Christmas, let's follow in Joseph's footprints and be men of courage. Amen? So I invite you today. If there's been something you've been struggling with, if there's been something you've been going through, I want you to know that this is your invitation. Let it go. Let God. Let him use you. Let him reshape you and mold you to be more like him. I want my family, I want my church to, to say, 
He is a man of courage. He's a godly man. I want my wife to look at me and say, I look at my husband as a courageous man of God. So I ask you, church, will you join with me today by saying, I too will live a courageous life, a life of vision, a life of integrity, and a life of sacrifice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your word. Thank you for choosing Joseph, a righteous man, and help all of us to model our life after him. And Lord, today we ask that if it be your will, that you would just prick the hearts of these men and these women in this room to live a godlier, separable, shoulder, sacrificial life. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to feel that, to hear that, to see that, to believe that. Lord, speak to our hearts today. Thank you for your word and your directive today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.
Maybe the Lord's been challenging you this morning. As we go right in this next song, if there's some still praying, it's called Stand in Awe. Like nothing ever seen or heard, you can grasp your infinite wisdom. Who can fathom the depths of your love? You are beautiful beyond description. Majesty enthroned above, and I stand, I stand in awe of you. Stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe. beautiful beyond description too marvelous for words too wonderful for comprehension like nothing ever seen or heard who can grasp your infinite wisdom who can fathom the depths of your love you are beautiful beyond description majesty enthroned above and i stand i stand in awe of you Stand, I stand in awe of you, holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you, Lord, I stand, I stand in awe of you. 
I stand in awe of you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isn't it great just to be able to come to the Lord and to pray and to give him our, our life, our heart, change our ways? Isn't that what church is about? Praise the Lord. I hope that you can walk away today saying, Lord, help me to have vision, to have integrity, to know what sacrifice is all about this Christmas season so that I, too, can stand like Joseph did, a righteous person, a person of courage. Thank you for being with us, church. I love you. It's great to see you. God bless you. Have a great week. I'm going to ask Pastor Luke to dismiss us in prayer. Thank you for giving. Thank you for giving our church. We don't pass the plate. And uh, on your way out, if you want to give, you give as you do every week, sacrificially, obediently, and by love. And so I just appreciate it. This, this coming Christmas, we are going to take a Christmas love offering. If you want to give towards that, um, we would like to put up some lights coming up the driveway. So coming up the driveway, I'm going to get a price on what each light, because it's dark back here at night. And uh, so we're always trying to figure out ways to lighten up everything and not really be very cost effective, but uh, to be as cost effective as I possibly can, but not be expensive. And so, um, again, thank you for being with us. And there was so much I wanted to say today. That's what happens when you're gone after three weeks. And I guess I'll just have to put that in the archives for another time. Amen. And uh, Pastor Luke, please dismiss us in prayer. Thank you for being with us. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for allowing us the opportunity to worship and to praise you. We ask that you bless each and every person as they walk out the doors today. We want to thank you for their giving to further the kingdom. Thank you for the blessings that you have given to us in this time, this season that is upon us when you sent your son for us. We are truly humbled and honored that you thought of us and that you loved us that much. In your gracious and most holy name. Amen. Thank you guys. Have a wonderful week. God bless.